0: Hello and welcome to Startup Europe, the Sifted podcast. I'm Amy, Sifted's editor. And I'm Eleanor, Sifted's deputy editor. And at Sifted, we report on Europe's tech and startup sector. And on this podcast every week, we have a little little sneaky peek inside the Sifted newsroom. Speak to the journalists who've been reporting on the big stories and to some of the people who've been making the news. This week, we're
1: going to be hearing about Checkout.com's layoffs by Stealth. And a mini revolt at Travel Park. We're also going to be talking about what's going on at Europe's most active deep tech investor,
0: the European Innovation Council, EIC Fund. We're also going to be joined by Volta Dreyer, who's the founder and CEO of Solamente, a Spanish solar panel subscription service for homes, which just raised 50 million euros. Plus, we'll be hearing from our reporter, Kai Nichol Schwartz, about his recent visit to the biggest startup community we bet you've never heard of. Eleanor, how was the
1: homeland? It was great. I went back to America and as we'll hear later, I had a lot of talk with my brother who works for EV Charger Startup and my mom about how we can get my
0: mom off the grid. Amazing. And I went off the grid to the Lake District and had a lovely time hiking. But anyway, you don't care about what we've been up to over the Easter weekend. Let us get onto some big news that we had last week. Last week, the big news at Sifted was a story we published about London
1: payments company Checkout.com, which I'm sure all of you are very familiar with. It's one of Europe's most valuable startups, and it's been just one year since it raised a $1 billion Series D, which are not the kind of rounds that you see anymore. Now it's facing an exodus from its executive team and is making a series of unannounced layoffs. Amy, what's going on?
0: Yeah, so the other Amy at Sifted, Amy O'Brien, our fintech reporter, had been doing some snooping and she found out from her sources that in the last nine months, six of the very, very senior executives that had reported directly to Checkout CEO Guillaume Poussas had left the company. Um She had three sources who were sort of familiar with, with this. And as part of that, the C-suite lost two of its members. Checkout also cut five percent of roles in september last year and amy found out it's continuing to kind of cut its staff numbers in what some of her sources referred to as layoffs by stealth so what does the c-suite look like now so the people who have left the kind of senior positions include the chief marketing officer and the chief revenue officer they were the members of the c-suite that are no longer in it and they haven't been replaced. And then other senior executives who've left include the head of crypto strategy, the former COO, the general counsel and head of regulatory, the former CTO and then the SVP of engineering. So all pretty significant roles that have gone and not all been replaced.
1: The article also mentioned these
0: kind of layoffs by stealth. What does this mean and how can a company lay off people by stealth? So a spokesperson for Checkout said that these headcount reductions are just a combination of natural attrition and resource planning. But we heard from employees who said things like every team apart from the sales team has been losing at least a few people. That it's been really awful for employees and that they feel that this is a quote, one fell swoop would have been much better. Someone else said every week they don't know who is going to disappear and people are just waiting around to see if they get laid off. It's death by a thousand cuts.
1: We also looked into how bad the gender pay gap is at Checkout.com as well as some other UK fintechs. How did Checkout.com fare?
0: Yeah, so we looked at some of the best funded UK tech companies and of the 20 best funded, Revolut and Checkout were in the bottom quartile. So if you look at the percentage of women who are in the highest paid jobs at those companies, at Checkout, it's only 20% and at Revolut it's 11.5%. So basically, there are not very many women in the best paid roles. In those big, powerful fintechs. On the flip side, Monzo and Starling, two of the neobanks, were in the top five companies for this statistic. So at Monzo, 38.2% of the best paid roles are held by women. And at Starling, 30.9% of the best paid roles are held by women. So pound it back for them.
1: Coming back to the article about the layoffs and the executive departures at checkout, the response was kind of surprising.
0: Yeah. So after we published the article, you know, we'd obviously really done our homework. Amy had spoken to lots of sources. We had sent check out what we we're going to write as it's good practice. And they had to come back to us with responses. Guillaume, the CEO, then sent a very long email to all of Checkout's employees, which we were sent screenshots of, with a PDF of our article attached to it to encourage them not to click on the website and give us more clicks. But we could see from our data that there were many, many employees of Checkout reading this article, and it makes us think that we are onto something.
1: Well, Checkout.com, maybe it's not on the
0: scale of Checkout.com, but Checkout.com isn't the only startup that's facing a backlash from employees. Yes, so another juicy story, Travel Perk, the Spanish business Travel Unicorn, announced that its employees must return to its Barcelona office at least three days a week in February. And... Basically, a mini, what has been described to us as a mini revolt has broken out.
1: Yeah, so Avi Mir, the company's CEO, announced the new policy. As you said, at the end of February, he said that human interaction should happen in real life, not in the metaverse, and that COVID-19 was a time of exception in a LinkedIn post after the announcement. He is someone that's been very vocal in the past. He's even written us an op-ed in the past about how much he feels about the importance of people collaborating in groups and spending face-to-face time with each other. But this has gone down very poorly
0: with a lot of people at the company. And yeah, there's been a lot of tension. And as you might be able to expect, if you know anything about the tech industry, it's the engineers who seem to be the most annoyed by this policy. What are they up to, Eleanor?
1: Yeah. So according to two employees at the company right now, a group of about 100 engineers signed a letter that described how they felt about this returned to the office for 3 days. They said they were disappointed by the new fo- policy and kind of outlined all the ways that this new policy will impact them, including the time that they have to spend commuting, the way that they have to adjust their schedules and then the fact that it will they'll have to spend less time with their families.
0: And to be fair to Travel Perk, the leadership team has received 100 requests, so that's roughly 8% of their total employees for people who want to be exempt from the new rules, and 75% of those requests have been approved, a spokesperson told us. The Travel Perk wouldn't say what would happen if an employee outright refused to return to the office three days a week though
1: but i guess travel park is not the only tech company that's going back remotely some big u.s tech firms like apple and amazon have also said that their employees need to be back a certain amount of days in the office we've seen that happen in finance as well and tech and a lot of times employees are really not happy about this it's really funny i feel like Some of the benefits to culture are things that can really only happen in the office. But I do also very much understand the frustration of people who have to get on that crowded train every morning and slog into the office. And it's really tiring. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. I reckon we're going to see more and more of it, though, and more mini revolts break out as a result.
1: But it's just so funny because it's like before the pandemic, it was understood that you had to go into the office five days a week from 9 until 5, knew how to be there. People don't want the toys taken away from them, anyway. Yeah, we also used to arrive at 9am, always. I got into the office at 7.30 for my job, originally. So, yeah. Wild. And on to another kind of controversy. Well, this controversy has been kind of brewing for a long time. So Europe's most active deep tech investor, the EIC, European Innovation Council Fund, basically was... Brussels' first initiative to invest EU funds into European innovative companies, trying to make up for the gap in funding for deep tech companies in Europe and try and nurture some of the really strategically important tech companies that Europe needs to have. And it's been chronically struggling with delays in payments to the startups that it chose to be part of its program. And we finally have a little bit of clarity on what's going to happen going forward.
0: Yeah, so the backstory is, to cut a long story short, that the fund didn't pay startups that had promised money for a long time. And that led to dozens of startups being short of cash and some telling us that they were on the brink of Bankruptcy. What the EIC fund decided to do is it brought in an external fund manager, so a sort of another investment firm that would take over all the investment decision making to help streamline things. And our Central Eastern Europe reporter jo- Zosha Vanna spoke to Mark Ferguson, who's been the chair of the advisory board to the EIC for a while, and he said that the issue is going to be completely resolved by the end of the year. But I thought he was quite candid. He did basically say, yep, we really mucked up. This is very sort of unacceptable and absolutely shouldn't have happened. So he told Zosha that founders had been waiting, I quote, far too long for money and that, I quote, this is not acceptable and it is not the way that the EIC will be working. Founders are quite right to complain and he's not making any excuses.
1: And I guess it is really important that the EIC gets this kind of stuff right because they are Europe's most active deep debt fund. Maybe people don't really know too much about their impact, but they're in in—they're on the cap tables of five unicorns, Selink and Relics included. They get about a thousand entries for every new call for applications they get. They were in the 100 million euro round raised by Pascal, the French quantum startup, which was earlier this year, right? Yes. And it just is a bad look when, you know, you are backing all of these companies of consequence and the processes just aren't in place.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is one of Europe's many efforts to compete with the US and China. And the EIC is meant to be offering companies grants of, you know, up to 2.5 million, investing up to 15 million euros. But if the money isn't arriving in the bank, then it's just worse than it not existing at all. For our first
1: interview, we are joined by Wouter Dreyer, founder and CEO of SolarMente a solar panel subscription service for homes. They just raised 50 million euros in debt and equity. And I just want to say first, Voucher, thank you so much for reaching out to Sifted. I love this. You just kind of landed in our inbox and I was like, this is one cool company. We (laughs) picked it up. We, you know, passed the ball back and forth and then we got the article out, which I was so excited about. So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Leonard. Thanks for having me.
1: So tell us a little bit about Solar Mente. What is the service that you're providing and it's a subscription service. Tell me about that.
2: Indeed. So it's a bit different than other solar companies. So what, what we're building with SolarMint is a clean energy platform for homeowners. And we decided to start with solar. And why not subscribing it and actually having a benefit from solar systems from day one without the, uh, yeah, the challenges of, in, uh, of investing.
1: So if I were a homeowner, right, and I wanted to use you guys, what are the kind of things that you could give me and how much would it cost?
2: Exactly. So our collaboration starts from forty euros per month. With every euro invested, you're able to save two euros. So if you decide to collaborate with SolarMenta and you pay me forty euros, I double that savings, allowing you to have, have another forty euros extra on the uh, saves on the on, on the monthly bill. It's super simple. And what we can give you is a guarantee for twenty years of savings. So we actually install a money printing machine on your roof and we do the investment and you have the benefits from solar since day one. And in addition to that is that we created the tech to analyze your energy data. And based on that, we can help you with uh, EV chargers, batteries, uh, heat pumps, for example. And with the technology that we built, we are able to make you save 20% more playing for, from our side with supply and demand. For example, right now, it's sunny behind me. Uh, we can charge these batteries, or the, or or, the, or your future Tesla with with energy, and we so, integrate it all.
1: So, give me the Spanish context. You guys are working in Spain, and I know you have plans to go to other European mm-hmm. countries. But why Spain?
2: So, Spain was the world leader in residential solar thirteen years ago, until they they uh, vanished the. Uh, the opportunity to, to go for solar in, in Spain. So it was illegal for eight years. So I was surprised and frustrated. And then at the time I wanted to start SolarMente, we found out that it became legal to to start uh, installing solar in, in Spain. Before that, it was, it was not. So it was a big market opportunity. I know solar. We have solar. I work in similar industries in Holland. And I, I thought it was a big, big opportunity for us uh, and the team to actually launch in, uh, in Spain.
1: And... Tell me about how kind of demand for, you know, solar and these sorts of, you know, green energy Mm -hmm. capabilities for homes fits in with broader trends. You know, like we've seen energy prices go up and, you know, that all fits into the war with Russia right now. How has that impacted your business and what consumers are looking for?
2: So so the market in Spain is not as developed yet as in in Germany or Holland or, or, or anywhere else outside of Spain. So what people look for right now is trust. Is this company trustworthy? Do I do I want to invest my time and money in the, in in, the, in this company? The answer right now is yes. Before that, absolutely not. The recent trend we saw with the war in Ukraine is that the the, the prices of of electricity were going up significantly. That scared people. And what do people when they are scared? They find for opportunities to actually pay less. And how do you do that with solar? But solar alone. This is not convinced people yet in Spain. So there are some options people look into. One is, for example, grants. There are insane grants available right now in Spain to boost the energy transition. So the government is trying everything possible to get this uh, country a sustainable spot possible and as soon as possible.
1: So I know that a lot of the raise this time was debt as well. Talk me through why raise debt, right? And how what that funds exactly.
2: Yeah, so it's it's part of our strategy we created a year ago at YC. This debt round is only focused on subscription. It is a package with our collaborator that accelerates the solar subscribers that we have. So we foresee a future only with subscribers, and we need debt for that because we don't want to use equity to 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 buy material. This is also part of our strategy. Bring us to profitability which we reached recently and also stage three is raising an a later this year so we can we can combine series a and and a big big round we do it hand in hand and that's what we started these days
1: so next steps tell me about it you're going to raise a series a how's fundraising going right
2: um okay so two questions how's going fundraising going in the market right now i think startups are struggling but investors want to invest their money in companies that will exist in a couple of years and where sustainability is a... Is a, that's a pro- so Solar mint is is, let's say, a hot hot item. Some people call it a Series A. For us, it's a Series A, but I see it more as an expansion fund. So if I can explain, is that what we created in Barcelona right now, we call it a solar factory. It's more inspired by Elon. Uh, he created Tesla factories, gigafactories. We created a concept that worked right now. Uh, we became profitable in Barcelona. We have, our numbers are, are are favorable and we want to replicate the solar factory also in four other areas in Spain.
1: Thank you. Well, I just went back to the States over the weekend and talked to my mom who's trying to go off the grid and is considering solar. Nice. So I'm going to send her this podcast. So Valtor, you're one startup that's gone through the world's most famous accelerator, YC. Tell me, do you think it's worth it as a European founder to do the program?
2: The direct answer would be absolutely. Absolutely. I think... So, so, the videos of us applying for YC are still online. It's funny to see. We're like two, two young guys presenting in the living room. Uh, uh, we had like, from the noodle and the pizza era. Um, what YC did is made uh, from two young guys that were really eager to grow, two professionals. And we're still in weekly touch with YC. Uh, for for European founders, y, uh, YC, is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down.
1: Love it. Thank you. Well, I hope you've graduated beyond pizza and noodles. <laughs> I hope
2: you're eating um, some. Well, I still enjoyed it in a weekend, uh, but, um, <laughs> but yes, uh, we're, we're now in a different era. We're now on the next level.
0: And finally, our reporter, Kai Nichols Schwartz, is here to talk to us about his trip inside the biggest startup community we don't think you've heard of. Kai, tell us what is Voyagers
3: voyages. Well, it's this. 2000 strong startup community of health tech and climate tech people and it's been going for about four years and started with this trip to Iceland where David Rowan the founding editor of Wired UK first took about 50 health tech founders to Iceland for a few days just to walk around the glaciers explore volcanoes that sort of thing and the whole point really was to move conversations between founders and investors and other people working for these startups away from superficial startup chat, right? You know, we've all heard it at startup events and put people in a more intimate environment. That went really well. David got a lot of positive feedback from that. From there, he set up the WhatsApp group, which initially was just health tech founders. That WhatsApp group spiraled. He said, anyone can add any other founders or investors into this group. And so, yeah, it sort of snowballed from there. Lockdown hit. He set up a climate tech group. And again, that snowballed. And now we're at a point where we've got 2000 members constantly buzzing the WhatsApp chat with requests and giving advice and offering feedback and, and all that sort of thing.
0: Amazing, and I had first heard about this from a climate tech founder who'd been on, I think it was like a wine tasting in Portugal retreat, which sounded pretty good. And then I immediately thought, how can I get one of our team on one of them? And you were that lucky person, right, Guy?
3: Yeah, they do a lot of they do a lot of interesting stuff. One of the most recent manifestations of this idea of bringing people close together was a co working retreat in the countryside in southern Italy. So I went out there during February, and they'd hired this villa for about a month and they brought different founders and investors in week by week. So I went out, you just live with a bunch of other founders for seven days. You're cooking together, you're cleaning together. And it really does make conversations more or less superficial, you know, it really does bring together this this sense of community. And there were conversations that were happening around the dinner table about, for instance, one founder was talking about running a business with ADHD and he was saying that he'd never talked to anyone about that before it was just an environment where people felt like they could share that sort of thing because when you live with people you can.
0: Sounds great how much does it cost what's the catch is it really expensive?
3: Well voyages is free for anyone to join the whatsapp group at the moment but trips are quite expensive they're about 1500 quid for probably three or four nights hiking or skiing the co-working retreat. think was about a thousand pounds to to stay for the week they do regular dinners probably monthly dinners in the uk and they've got various dinners in other cities in europe and the us they cost about 50 quid a pop
0: and what's so what's next for voyages it's raised a fund as well hasn't it is this is it all just a big ruse for david rowan to become a mega vc
3: (laughs) well it's got two funds now ruse i don't think is the right word accidental vc is Maybe more accurate. He was telling me that on that first Voyages trip to Iceland, someone just joked, said, you should give everyone a thousand pounds. I'm sure they'd find you some good startups. Um So he ended up just emailing a bunch of people and said, I've got this idea for a fund. Let's give it a shot. And he raised 1.7 million health tech fund back in 2020. That's not fully deployed and he's now deploying a 10 million climate tech fund this is all raised from members of the community there's probably about 350 odd backers of these funds and what's next well there's i think four more hiking trips ski trips this year there'll be more co-working retreats in the future apparently
0: i guess it is a just another really good example isn't it of how you know lots of his lps are vcs aren't they and People like Local Globe and Hoxton Ventures. And I guess they see him as a good kind of conduit for deal flow because he has created this community that people want to join.
3: That's it. And look, I mean, it works out really well for David as well, because he's got 2000 members that he can tap for advice on any startup that comes, that comes his way. Yeah, he was saying, you know, having that community there, this idea of community investing is amazing for deal flow. It's just an amazing filter for that sort of thing
0: and if someone's listening to this and they're a climate tech founder or a health tech founder and they want in how do they do it
3: well you can google voyages voyages voyages.io or you can find someone you know that's that's in the group and get them to add you easy peasy great
0: thank you very much kai And that is all we have time for. If you want to hear more about what's unfolding in the world of European tech and startups, you can find all our coverage on sifted.eu and you can find all the articles mentioned in the episode in the podcast description. Um,
1: Please follow all of our newsletters, which are also on the website. Um, Follow us on Twitter and let us know what you think of the Sifted podcast on Twitter or at hello at sifted.eu. And we will see everyone next week. Bye.